Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, happy week four of our Lent series. We are on week four. We are literally in the middle of March, right? Yes, March. It's going by quick. And here we are, week four of our Lent series, The Power of the Gospel. And as each Sunday has goes by and comes and goes, we are inching our way closer and closer to the cross. But we're not there just yet in our story. Not just yet. You see, Jesus has much to accomplish still left to do. Uh, in fact, uh, in order for the cross to take place, that up there, for it to take place, Jesus will have to strategically reveal himself as the Messiah and the Son of God. It has to be done by strategy. You will notice so far in our entire journey of Lent and looking at all the various scriptures and all the different stories that you will notice that, that he has spent so far the entire time of his ministry in northern Israel around the Sea of Galilee. This was by design. I think if he had gone straight to Jerusalem right at the beginning and just spent his entire time there, I think his fate would have been met very similar to that of John the Baptist. But instead, he spent and called home the Galilee area, Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, and that area. There are, and this is a great area for him to actually unveil and unwrap the majesty of who he is outside of the city and into the people who are working every day, who are hopeless day by day, who are literally hungry not just for their next meal, but for a savior. Hungry for a savior. And Jesus has actually been on the move since our last meeting on Sunday morning, since the last time we've gathered here and opened up and we talked about last week's scripture of, of, of raising the, the, the child back from the dead. He's been busy. In fact, since last Sunday, as I was just browsing through the scriptures and looking to see where we've come so far since then, he has uh, started to branch out a little bit. In fact, he's being a little bit more bold with his teachings now. He was kind of keeping it under the lid for a little while, but that started to slowly go away. He's starting to actually to be bold, not hiding the fact that he is the long-awaited Messiah and that he has, and he has said this and has displayed it, but he's now showing to the world, to all of Israel, that he has all authority in heaven and earth, but hungers like a man who needs to eat with the, to regain daily strength. It's confusing people to understand that how can the Messiah, the authority that God has sent us, how, why is he hungry entire like me? It's confusing. In fact, since last Sunday... Jesus started to intentionally gather large crowds to start bringing them, roping them all in together and to 
uh, preach and to teach and to give them what they are actually internally hoping for as a savior. They started to hear the words of Jesus the Christ. His preaching sometimes would actually go into the night. He would start in the day and go into the night. Can we lock the doors? I'm just saying, I won't do that to you, I promise. I know what it's like. In fact, on that particular day, when he was going into the night, one of his disciples said, Jesus, it's getting late. It's getting late. Can you send them home so that they could eat? Now, I've been preaching for a long time. It usually isn't a good sign when they come up and says, when the sergeant major says, Captain, can we send these guys home? He's been preaching for a long time. You know, but Jesus, when he, when he brought the disciples over and he said, please, can we send them home for something to eat? Jesus responded at this particular instance. No. No. We will feed them. And so he sends the disciples out to go gather whatever they could. And it was just a couple of fishes and a few loaves. That'll do it. And then just like that, Jesus blessed the meal and provided enough food, the scripture says, to feed a crowd of 5,000 men, plus women and children, with leftovers to spare. Who is this man? Who is this guy? They're, they're, They're starting to figure out that this is not your average rabbi. And, and, and who is this guy that, 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 that teaches with the, the authority, with the word of God, but also has the authority to display what he's teaching? And they knew that this was not an average rabbi. But to what extent? Is he just a prophet? Well, who is, they're trying to figure this out. And how far are we as disciples willing to follow him? to go after him where he goes. How much am I willing to give Jesus my comfort? These are all questions that Peter is about to face. Let's pray. Father, we just pray now over your word, not mine, your word, Lord, to let us see and to experience maybe what the disciples did that day. That God, when we go through the scripture, that we are walking out with clear understanding of what it is you want from us. Lord, if I, if I do a poor job representing your word, it's my flesh, not your spirit, because this is so exciting. Life-changing. And so God, I just pray that your spirit move among your church and anyone who is hearing the words of God at this moment, that Lord, to open their hearts and their minds to receive this, this teaching, this word, Father. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 See, our story today actually picks up right after that moment with the great crowd, right after the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000. And you'll notice that if you actually open the book of Matthew, that, that Matthew stated in his scripture, in his gospel, that right at moments after the great feeding, Jesus quotes made his disciples get into a boat there at the sea of God, made them leave. Now, the word made, when you look at it in Matthew, and you take that word, and you look at it in Greek, the word made in the English NIV 
comes from the Greek word that means to compel. Jesus is compelling, urging. He is pushing his disciples away from that location of the great feeding. And he's pushing them into a boat and just getting them off to the sea. You see, it would appear, if you read that correctly, that Jesus is actually trying to get out of Dodge. That he's trying to push us out of this scenario and that time is of the essence. And actually, if you read it that way, you would be correct. That's exactly what's happening. John, if you flip over to his gospel, he actually he records that after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, the crowd, the great big giant crowd who now has full bellies and strength and energy, the large crowd intended that day at that spot at that time to make Jesus the king of Israel by force is what John says that they were going to make Jesus the king of Israel by force. They wanted to put a crown on his head and send him on his way. But make no mistake, there, there is a crown waiting for Jesus shortly. But it's not going to be made from expensive metal. All they saw was that Jesus was the answer to their earthly problems. The crowd missed the message. They missed the message by about 18 inches. They received his words right here, but they completely missed it right here. So Jesus, he gets the disciples. He gathers them up. The crowd is getting rowdy, and he's trying to protect his people. And so he pushes them into the boat, and then Jesus just pushes the boat far enough off the water, just pushes it up where no one's going to go after them, just to get them out of the chaotic scene. And then Jesus stays back. He doesn't go on the boat. He actually stays back to go and calm the crowd. That even in this chaos, even in this, Jesus went back to the crowd to show them the way. You missed it. You missed it. And he stayed back and the scripture says that he stayed until the crowd was calm. Because after the great crowd calmed and went their ways, it says Jesus went up to the mountains to pray in solitude. He's probably exhausted. He needs to recharge his batteries. I mean, going and, and, and trying to control a mob or a crowd or, or anything of that, he is probably exhausted and he just needs to go and be with his father. And so he goes up into the mountains and he prays and he spends time with him. And he's on his knees and he's in solitude. That Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God, needed solitude. Time to be with the Father. And we're no greater than he is. To be with the Father. But he's been there for a while. Night, according to scripture, has now fallen. The sun has come down. And now the stars are up and the moon is up. And there is still no sign of Jesus. The disciples were all still waiting in their boat. I will give them this. They were pretty obedient about staying in that boat. 
And so here they are now in the boat, still waiting for Jesus. And most likely, as these disciples do, they fell asleep in the boat. And as they fell asleep, no one was monitoring where the boat was going, so it just kind of drifted. And next thing you know, they're kind of not by the shore anymore. They're kind of out in the middle of the sea now, drifting away. And that really probably shouldn't be a surprise that that night has fallen and that they're sleeping on the boat and that they're drifting away because Scripture says that it was the fourth watch of the night. Now, what is interesting here, I just want to point this out. What is interesting here is that the author, Matthew, is using actually the Roman time system to describe the time of night, not the Jewish or Hebrew. He's using the Roman time system to describe the night. The Romans kept time by a system that was referred to as watches, watches. And it probably really shouldn't surprise us that Matthew used that terminology because he was, in fact, a Roman tax collector. So before he was following Jesus, his time was Roman's time. So he probably wrote that in his scripture as he took account. Scripture says that it was during the fourth watch or sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. when Jesus finally made his approach back to the disciples. But he didn't do it by boat. But instead, he, he went to the shore, saw the boat drifted in the distance, and walked to them. No, not, not walk in the water to them. He walked on the water to them. Man. And the disciples, someone must have been awake. Someone in the boat must have felt something in the air because one of the disciples right there in the boat witnessing this figure walking across the water with a burst of fear and and trembling in his voice shouted to the rest of the guys on the boat, it's a ghost! It's a ghost. Now, to be honest, anything that I see uh, before or around 3 a.m. in my mind is a ghost until proven otherwise. I'm just saying. So if I see a figure somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning, we start with ghosts and we work our way back from there. All right. Usually it's probably, you know, my kids or something like that. But but here we are. I can't blame them for that. But in the way that Jesus always does. That when we shout our doubt, when we are uncertain about what it is that we're seeing or experiencing, we only can, can really just say what we think. It has to be a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus from the water, walking on the water, actually shouts back and says, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, this is not the first time that that Jesus or his father has identified themselves like this, in this manner. Oh, no. This goes all the way back to Moses. When, When Moses entered into the grounds of the burning bush, 
And Moses asked after he was in communication with this, 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 this God, this, 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 this bush that isn't, it is not burning. Who is, and he says to this bush, who, who should I tell them who sent me? And the response back was, tell them I am who I am has sent you. And here we are again. Here we are again. Jesus is identifying himself on the water, telling them to take courage. Don't be afraid because it is I am coming to you now. However, unlike Moses, though, unlike Moses, who both saw and heard the great I am, Peter is only hearing. He's only hearing. He's hearing it's Jesus. I hear it's Jesus. But Peter needs to see it's Jesus. He needs to see. And so he, he says, Lord, if it is you, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is such an interesting thing to ask. One that I probably would not come up right off the top of my head. In fact, we have no other incident that we know of where Jesus actually walks on water. There's no precedent. There's no reason for Peter to actually make the request to go and walk on water. Could it be that Peter remembers when Jesus calmed the storm? That maybe the elements of this earth obey him? And if so, make me walk on water. Lord, do the impossible with me. Do it with me. And so Jesus replies back to Peter's request with, come, come on. You're about to walk on water. Come on. And then Peter, he bubbled, probably a little, the drift was there and he's getting his foot out of the boat and as he touches the water, I'm not sinking. Guys, I'm not sinking. Well, that's only one foot. Let's try another one. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not sinking. The, guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. And Jesus is saying, come, come, come on. And Peter got out of the boat and he started to do the impossible, the impossible. Peter, a man who is subject to the physics of this life, began to walk on water. But could it mean, could this mean that Jesus not only has the authority of the supernatural just for himself, but also the ability to give it to us as well? To give it to us as well. Unfortunately, though, this little sea walk isn't going to last that long. You see, Peter, as he started to kind of start walking toward Jesus, he took his eyes and his focus off the impossible and started looking to the reality. Ooh, that sure is a lot of wind. 
That's a lot of waves. You kind of are really far. I don't know if this is going to work. And he started to doubt what he was experiencing, questioning, is this real? And then he began to sink underneath the water. That his faith in the impossible started to diminish every inch down. And before he knew it, he was completely under water. Lord, save me, he cried out. Save me. And then Jesus grabs Peter and he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You asked to see. You asked. You wanted to see that it was me. You wanted to do the impossible. You asked. Come, come, come and see. Friends, when we ask Jesus to do the impossible, we cannot, we cannot meet him back with our doubt when he does it. When he does it. That when we cry out and say, Lord, do the impossible with me. And when he says it's time to go, we feel back with doubt saying it's too far. It's too far. I can't. You see, this isn't just a problem that they had back then. It has been a problem that has existed in the church ever since. Ever since. We ask God regularly to do the impossible. And then we fill ourselves with doubt when we ask. We often pray, God, come join us in the boat. So that way we can do ministry. All the while, Jesus is actually saying, how about you get out of the boat and join me in the impossible? Come out here. This is where I am. Come, follow me. And what does that look like? What does it look like to get out of the boat? To actually go into the impossible? Are you ready for my answer? I don't know. It's his church. It's his. I'm called to preach about it and to teach and to study. But he does the impossible. He does that, not me. I have to be equally listening to him tell me to get out of the boat. As he does for all of us. I don't know. As your pastor, all I can really say is that when you are ready to get out of the boat, when you're ready to go over the edge and plant your feet down, the only thing I could tell you is be ready to do the impossible. Be ready to do it. Keep your sight on Jesus and then Start walking. Start walking. So my question this morning. My question this morning. Is there. Is there anyone. Anyone. Here. That is ready to do the impossible with God. Ready to do the impossible with the almighty. 
the one that we gather under his name, that we carry with us as we leave from this place, that when we are at work, we've got crosses hanging up all over the wall as decor, but we need to make sure it is hanging right here, that we are believing and ready to do the impossible when God says it's time to come. Time to come. Perhaps, perhaps, you, you yourself, have a loved one that right now is at rock bottom. Fallen from grace. Has no interest in knowing Jesus. I don't have time for that. He hasn't done anything for me. He doesn't do anything for me. That the thought alone, your thought alone, our thought alone, my thought alone, for these people to come back home is just summed up in one simple word. Impossible. It's impossible for these guys to come home. Maybe it's, maybe it's your, your family is broken. Right now, there's a relationship that's been torn to pieces. You haven't spoken to each other in a long time. Can't even remember why you haven't spoken to each other in a long time. But there's this division or this brokenness. It could be over politics. It could be over, you just fill in the blank. It could be over anything. And you look at each other and say that this is impossible. This is impossible. We can never be united. We can never be together. Maybe it's your own heart. Maybe it's my heart. <laughs> now maybe, maybe you, you have been the one who's cried out to Jesus to show himself to you. Like Peter, Lord, if it is you, show me, show me. And right now you're filled with fear, you're filled with doubt, you're filled with uncertainty. You're filled with all these things. You just know, you know, you, you know without a shadow of a doubt that the moment you get out of the boat that you're gonna sink all the way to the bottom. You know it's, you're expecting it. I'm not expecting anything amazing, anything. I don't wanna do the impossible. Lord, I don't believe in any of this stuff. My heart's filled with fear and it's doubts that you're gonna just sink to the bottom. But I'm gonna tell you right now that Jesus will never call us to come if he hasn't already paved the path to do it. He will never call us to say, come follow me and watch us stumble in the front and just say, you should have done better. That's not who God is. That's not who Jesus is. He says, follow me because I've already paved it out. That's why I'm in the front and you're following me. Come on. That's Jesus. But this path looks impossible, Cap. It looks impossible. And Jesus says, I know my son. I know my daughter. I know. But this doesn't look safe. This doesn't look like a safe path. You look so far away and there's so much in between us. It doesn't, it's not safe. I know. But just keep your eyes on me, child. Just keep your eyes on me. Come on, I've already paved it out. Just, just keep going, keep going. Because I promise, I promise, the moment your feet hit the water, 
Once the feet touches there and you experience the impossible, the hope, the freedom, that you experience these things, that it will be as if a baptism of freedom comes over your doubts. And and in that moment, outside of the boat, you are free. And then you look at Jesus and say, let's go running. (laughs) I've always wanted to walk on water. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm going to say this morning that if you are ready, if you're ready, your heart is there. Your feet are already moving, but your mind is stopping you. If you're ready to do this, to get out of the boat, to get your feet wet, then come down here to the altars this morning. It could be very well that you know him. I know, I know what you're capable of, Jesus. I've given my heart to you so long ago. But you know what? We have so many impossible tasks ahead of us. Come and bring those to him. Get out of the boat and come and kneel down before the one who can walk on water and can make you walk on water. Jesus and meet him at the altar this morning. And if you're online, this call is for you too. To turn your home now into holy ground, to fall to your knees and to get out of the boats and to just reach out to the Savior, to Jesus Christ, who not only calls us to come, but paves the way and provides the avenue. Jesus. Pray. Be with him. And together, let's do the impossible with Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, Be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.